I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to the Dream Job Ready podcast and video series. My name is Dane Sharp. I'm your host and my guest for this episode is Christine Rodriguez, who's the Strategic Alliances Manager at Adobe and a board member for the Girls in Tech Australia organisation. Please note that the opinions of guests are their own and not those of the companies they have worked for. G'day, Christine. Thank you so much for joining me as a guest on Dream Job Ready. Um, first up, I just want to say a huge congratulations because you've actually got a new role as of a couple of months now, and I'm going to lead this straight, uh, re- read this straight from LinkedIn, should I say, Strategic Alliances Manager, Adobe Exchange DX at Adobe. So congratulations. Thanks for joining us. Tell us about the new role. Thank you for having me and thank you for the congratulations. Yes, my new role uh, is an expanded role at Adobe, so I now look after technology partners and our program across the entire Adobe suite. So previously I was just with the Magento side of the business and now I get to play in all the different Adobe buckets and learn more technology and more partners and a bigger ecosystem. So super excited about doing that and still across the region. So Asia Pacific, which is what I love. The one of the key reasons I wanted to talk to you was, was I thought and, and still believe you had a dream job, um, you know, two months ago and for the last year as technology partnerships, um, APAC, including Japan for Magento. Uh, tell us about that role as well and, and uh, you know, your last year uh, focusing on, on, on what that role had. Yeah, so it's interesting because I came from the eBay Inc. business and eBay Magento used to be part of eBay Inc. So I had a lot of exposure to the Magento ecosystem and the technology partners through my previous roles. And the role that came up at Magento was brand new. It had never been done before in the world. And it was really taking all our global alliances and our partnerships um, that we had from mainly in North America and a couple in Europe and really activating and helping those partners carve out a footprint and get to know the teams within the Magento business across APAC. And for me, that was pretty exciting because I knew a lot of them from before, knew a lot of the technology, but I also got to open myself up to a whole new range of a bit more, I would say, a little bit of the complicated and boring stuff that I'd previously ignored um, and learn all about different technology like PIMS and like warehouse management and all this like crazy stuff that fed into the back of e-commerce. So for me, that role was almost like a stepping stone from the ecosystem I was in into a bit more of a broader one and not just looking at sort of payments where I came from, but back-end technology, front-end technology and how that end-to-end e-commerce experience existed and for me that was a really big step up um, from what I was doing before and expanding my mind across so many different facets and so many different companies that I would never have been exposed to so for me that role was almost great because it didn't exist and I got to create what I wanted from it 
but I also got to learn and meet a whole bunch of people along the way who I'm, who are still my partners now um, in varying factors. And it's, it's super refreshing to hear that you've somewhat carved and, and created that role yourself because Adobe obviously is a huge business. Um, and I'd love you to talk to kind of how diverse the company is because I'd say, you know, talk to a different person and they're going to know something different about Adobe and some might be about the products in the suite, some might be, you know, that B2B backend uh, tech stack. Um, you know, was that common at Adobe to be able to sort of, I guess, create your own destiny and, and carve that role in, in a way that you saw fit? So I think the Magento role that was brought to me was someone's idea or a couple of people's ideas saying, you know what, we have this really good set of partners and we have really good team and and really good footprint. How do we bring that to life? And they could obviously see there was a gap there. Um, And my managers were quite supportive in like, we know there's a gap and we know there's good work to be done and we know we can achieve things, but we really need you to go in there and like, uncover and unearth and find your way and pave your way through those through those challenges or through those opportunities and because they're all in the US mainly you know they they can't be boots on the ground they couldn't actually physically get to any of the offices or even cross over time zones so they really put a lot of faith in my ability and my network and my ability to sort of network within the business to sort of carve out what that looked like and I guess in your career, you really need to, I mean, for me, I like to find roles where I can build things. And, you know, once I build the Lego and, you know, it starts cranking, then I kind of put it off to someone else to, you know, do the renovations. I really like to sort of build those things from scratch. So for me, because the role didn't exist, no one really had a firm idea of what they wanted me to do. They just know what they wanted me to achieve. How to do it was kind of on me. Oh, that's very cool. And, 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 you know, did you hit the ground running in that role? Or did it take, you know, a few months to kind of establish that framework and, and build from there? Because I knew uh, the majority of the business practices and different buckets of partners from previous lives, yeah. I really had to hit the ground running. My first day of work was in a quarterly business review in Singapore. Right. Like I didn't, I flew in on the Sunday night. Like it was no breathing room there was no do your training I didn't even have a computer or a laptop it was like or a phone it was like you are now in this business you're in these um in these meetings and by the second day I got pretty vocal I think the first day I was just oh I knew I'm going to be quiet and everyone's doing their planning and reviewing by the second day I was like no I'm family there's 50 people in a room and I'm going to tell people what I think so you really have to leverage your your gut and what you know and what you can bring to the table. And I didn't have time with the size of the market that I need to take care of to really like pad my way through it. I had to just take the bits that I knew and run with those while I simultaneously upskilled in things that I didn't know about, like at the same time, which was the Adobe business and, and some of the partners and some of the products that I hadn't been exposed to yet. So they took a bit of a backseat in a little bit of time while I just lit fires all over the place and the things that I did know. Yeah. And obviously, you know, uh, before this role, and we'll talk through this uh, during this chat, you know, you obviously have built up um, some great experience, some great relationships, um, you know, with partners and and other other key people, I'm sure. Uh, And just, um, you know, sort of some hardcore work ethic working for some of the companies you've worked for. Um, Before we sort of fly through that, I'd, I'd love to know how did, how did Adobe and Magento land you? How'd you get that role? I got referred in 
um, through a previous colleague or previous contact who is now a colleague who had been working in an agency that I had dealt with when I was at PayPal and he and I had been in contact. He ended up going into Adobe. And then when this role sort of popped up, he looked at it and said that, you know, there is no one else in this region that can do that role better than she can. And I just got this phone call and I wasn't working. I had left my previous job. I was lying on a beach in Byron Bay and someone called me and said, Hey, we've got this job. Are you interested? And they told me about it. And I was like, and someone said, you know, we've been looking for you. And I said, sounds like you have been looking for me. Um, Could we pick this off in two weeks? Cause I'm lying on a beach. <laughs> I'm having a good time. And they said, yeah, sure. We can wait. And um, I got interviewed a few weeks later when I, when I got back home and grounded back into the work mindset. So it was kind of like a marriage, I guess. They were looking for someone and that just happened to be me. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, you know, that, that comes up a lot, right? Like uh, not what you know, who you know. I, I don't think it's one or the other. They're not exclusive, but, um, you know, that's fantastic. So someone you've worked with previously has obviously, uh, you know, verbally written you an amazing uh, reference and, and Bob's your uncle in the role. That's gold. Yeah. Um, and, and what... It, yeah, and, and I guess working within Adobe now, um, for any listener out there that, that loves the company, loves the brand, loves the products that um, you know, Adobe's put out there, can you, can you suggest good things? Can you inspire someone to go and work for Adobe? Is it a great company to work for? Yeah, definitely. For me, there was only a limited amount of companies that I would probably look at. And I know that sounds really fussy and really Gen Y of me, but you know, companies need to tick some boxes. And Adobe is one of those companies because... There's a lot of different products, a lot of different solutions, a lot of different teams. Obviously, the company has great commercial acumen. It, we win a lot of awards for best workplaces and things like that. But also, there's so much room to grow and navigate and pivot and move across. I'm not necessarily one that wants to move up. I like to sort of go across within businesses. And Adobe is one of those companies where there's going to be a never ending supply of different things to do and different products and different growth, especially in a technology space where we're always adapting our technology or growing our technology or partnering with new technology. So if you're into a business that has headroom, it's definitely somewhere where you could plonk yourself um, as a company and then be there for 10 years, but never do the same thing twice. Yeah. And that's really what I'd say if you're looking for a company that tick those boxes, Adobe is 100% something like that. One of the reasons I started this podcast is I don't think there's one, you know, scripture around getting a dream job. I think it's different for, for every person. Uh, you know, some people might have one or two in their career. Others might have five or six. How they got them is going to vary. Um, you know, how long they were in that dream job will vary. And I guess the motivations or the reasons that is a dream job will vary as well, right? So it's, a, it's an open book uh, and there's no, you know, I guess true course. The one thing I've found really interested, uh, interesting about your career is, um, you know, A, you've worked for some great companies. Um, you know, you've worked Vodafone, PayPal, Braintree, um, and they're obviously Adobe. Um, but then also I think quite interestingly is, you know, in those roles you've also had a couple of different jobs um, and, obviously, and either progressed or moved sideways to what you said before and I'd love you to talk me through some of that. Um, so that's what I'm really keen to unpack with you today is kind of how you've done that, why you've done that and, and I guess what's led to those progressions uh, through each role if we can. Yeah, so there's a couple of facets in there. So yes, I have worked for some great companies and I'm very fortunate to have started my career in a good in a great company like Vodafone um, but the precursor to that was I actually 
uh, worked in a Vodafone store during mm-hmm. university. Gotcha. So I was one of the, I was the first person to ever sort of wangle my way out of retail into the head office on a secondment. And I think one thing that has led to my sort of progression in my career is being able to find these gaps and sort of wedging yourself into it or having the foresight to look for a role that doesn't exist or may exist in the future or, you know, and go for that role. So I had a marketing degree. I came out of university. I wanted a marketing job, but, you know, there wasn't a marketing job there. So I took a job within the head office, which was an account-based type of role, managing the Coles and Woolworths group for um, Vodafone prepaid. And I took that role. And while I was there, you know, the marketing manager got pregnant. And then I had, you know, five months to set my eyes on how I was going to get her job and made that my vendetta for the next five months doing my job and having a lot of coffees and conversations about, you know, what would it take for me to take a step up into that, um, into what was not a, not a entry level marketing role, but it was, you know, an actual marketing role um, without having any of the experience on the ground. So I think one thing that I would say is a good um, bit of advice is to not just look at what you're doing, but where you're going Sure. Um, and always have that one step, you know, what would I like to do next? And if something comes towards you, like my new role now, like it came towards me, I was a little bit hesitant, but now I'm embracing it and I'm loving it and I'm doing it. And you know, you just have to be able to take the, the opportunities that that come your way as well. Um, and a lot of mentors and supporters will kind of help guide you through that as as you go. I mean, I've not been, I'm not resistant, but I'm not always one to sort of want to, you know, dive head first. Yep. Um, and I need those people around me to say, actually, you can do this, or I think you'd be good at it. Or actually, did you know there's a job over there that you might like? Or have you had coffee with this guy? He's got an opening or one of his teams got promoted, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. they're some of the things that I think has helped me in that stepping stone across um, the different businesses. Yeah, nice. That's really good advice. Um, and it, and it's, it's interesting, you know, when you say looking ahead uh, or sort of looking to that next opportunity, does that vary? Like, you know, are you looking one, one year, one month, looking at different company? Does that vary every opportunity? So I try to say you don't look too far ahead. I'm not one to make like a 10-year plan. I don't know what my job is going to look like. In, no. I know what the next six months of my job is going to look like, but I don't know what it's going to look like in, in 12 months, whether it's the same role, the same title or a different team. I think you've got to really play to your strengths and know what you're good at and move towards those um those strengths and really enhance what you can do and you know it's great to have a a a really big audacious goal but for me it's not really how I'm built I like to sort of run roll with the punches and just know what I'm going to do maybe next and then I find that's an easier goal to attain because you're not saying I want to be a CMO tomorrow or a CIO or or something like that you're going actually I just want to I just want to be that guy or gal I just maybe when I want to I want a staff member or maybe I want to know more products or maybe I want to be in that part of the the business unit instead of the part that I'm in and it's easier to take small steps and go towards that than it is to sort of say well I'm really overwhelmed how do I become how do I become a CEO that's a lot of steps so I just kind of bite off what I can chew that's smart achievable goals yeah yeah little little ones little things 
I like that. And what, th- throw me back. What, what was your goal when you were, uh, I guess, finishing high school, heading to uni, you know, end, of, end of your teens? What was your goal or your aspiration? What did you want to do when you grew up? It's really funny. Actually, uh, I went to a seminar at University of Wollongong when you go through all these, like, what do you want to do in university? And I went to a seminar on international business. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the only people out of my peer group that actually went to the seminar. It was this giant um, lecture theatre and probably about a dozen people in it. And they talked about this international business thing. And we're talking, you know, the year 2000. So it seemed really, you know, far away because we didn't have all the technology that we, we have now. So yep. getting an international business job meant getting on a plane all the time. And for me, it really solidified what I wanted to do. So I ended up in a commerce degree, majoring in international business and marketing. And I also have an arts degree majoring in Asia Pacific studies. Yeah. And so I, that was the goal. And then I left uni and did nothing to do with any of those sorts. And here we are like 10 years later, I actually got a job which had an Asia Pacific remit. So <laughs> it all kind of came to light eventually, but I kind of put it on hold because of life reasons and not being able to travel and other things. But it was always my passion to be in a role that covered the region. It's just so much easier to do it from my lounge room now than it is to to have to get on a plane. Hundred percent. That's that's great. And because I was I was very interested in both the international business and the Asia Pacific studies part of um, your your degree uh, description. Because um, you know I I work in an APAC role myself. Uh, is becoming more and more common, right? You know, like five, ten years ago, um, there was sort of you know, there was only a few people here and there that had it. Where it's definitely more more common now, and you know, the whole Southeast Asian re- region has been uh, opened up to to people in Australia, or if you're based in Singapore, etc. So that's cool that it's come around, and you know, it's it's hooked back into your current role now. Yeah, it took a little while, and the beauty of having studied it, which most people don't get value out of a lot of their degrees, depending on what they study. Like one of my best friends has a marine biology degree and she works in a corporate. Um, But the good thing for me is I got to study politics and sociology and economics and a whole bunch of other things to do with the region and the culture. I even learned Japanese for a while. And here I am, you know, as a grown up, being able to sort of remember some of that stuff and, not be afraid to walk in a room culturally like the first time I went to Tokyo and, and know how to conduct myself because some of that stuff hasn't changed um, culturally in, in that amount of time. So it actually did pay off, pay dividends in the end. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Um, hey, let's walk through some of your earlier roles. Um, you know, let's talk about PayPal. You spent uh, just shy of three years at PayPal, a couple of different roles, reading again off your LinkedIn, marketing communications manager, and then on to acquisition marketing manager. Um, again, I imagine you got the opportunity to work with some, some really cool companies and, and some good people in those roles. Um, I worked for eBay for a year. I never worked with PayPal, but had associated with um, you know, plenty of people from the PayPal company. Um, how was your time there? You know, how was your two... 2.9 years at PayPal. 2.9 years. So PayPal was, um, well, I was with PayPal Inc. for almost seven years. So the actual whole business, but the PayPal brand, yes, I was there for three, almost three years. And back then I was a marketing, um, I was in the marketing discipline. That was my career. That was my job. And I am very niche. I'm in B2B. Like B2B acquisition is my, is my claim to fame, lead generation, you know, helping people get like, um, through that funnel. So that's, that's me. So it's pretty niche. So finding another business when I left Vodafone that had an opportunity to target other businesses was pretty rare. Yep. Um, and I, you know, I had to sort of spend a good 10 weeks or so sort of trudging through the, again, the different companies that I would work for. So PayPal gave me that opportunity to do what I had been doing the whole time, but take it down a different, different audience subset. The B2B brand in most companies is like the poor cousin of the consumer brand. Mm. So you're not there talking to people that need or want or necessarily have that mindset of, I love your, I love your brand because they're coming from the other, other side saying, well, why do I need this? Like, how is it going to enhance my business? And it's not the conversation of what it's going to do for you, but what is it going to do for your customer? Yeah. And so a business like PayPal was really good because it had a really strong consumer sentiment it was very well known it was the second most second or third most trusted brand in australia oh it was the third behind band-aid and panadol so it was the right time to be in a business like that it was less than 100 people so again i got to build and learn and break things and learn quickly and try again um and when i left it was a fair few hundred so it was in that in that real growth phase of explosion which was quite fascinating and you were working with SMBs at the start of that uh, run as well with PayPal, right? What what, what excites yeah. you about um, what what really excites you about helping uh, you know small businesses, big businesses, you know, achieve success with you know with the tools and, and technology that you've uh, I guess been representing in different roles. Like, what's the exciting part of that for you? Yeah, I'm definitely not a consumer a consumer marketer or a brand marketer in any sense. Yeah, I am very much in the B two B space. It's a longer sales cycle. It's harder slog, but 
they are less fickle in the long run. Yeah. It may take six to 12 months for a decision. When I went into PayPal, we still had a bus that we were driving around small towns, encouraging businesses to go online. Like we did a road yeah. show trying to get businesses to go online. It was called Driving Business Online, pardon the pun. Um, and I was running that project for a couple of years because people still hadn't got there yet mentally. And it was, oh, you know, online's just eBay. That's the kind of time when I came into the e-commerce segment. And it was like, no, online is not just for Woolworths, Dan Murphy's or eBay. It's actually for everybody. And fast forward, here we are 10 years later, and we're still having that conversation now with COVID saying, actually, you should have been online um, if you thought about this, et cetera. So it's, it was a really good place for me to want to help businesses. And, you know, it, they don't have to go in head first, but, you know, help them with a little bit. And payments is, is part of that big scary thing that they don't know. Money's very important to people. So they don't understand it. They're not just going to adopt a new way of, of doing things. Uh, agreed. Uh, and how do you avoid um, getting frustrated at, at, at some of the businesses that might knock you back or might not see where they should be going? I think anyone in the B2B space, call it a PayPal, call it a zero, call it anyone like a telco or a bank, they're saying, well, we can really, we can talk to the ones that are the more advanced and willing to sort of move. And that's a really quicker sell. And the rest, you call it laggards, call it whatever, they will follow. They will get there eventually. But you can't channel all your energy into those that are just resistant to the change. Um, Like I said, 10 years later, some of these businesses we were talking to are probably still coming on this journey and they'll eventually see the light. So you really have to go for the ones in that. So the top 10% that'll jump first and the next set that that will follow. And you'll see dividends and ROI on that and the rest will drink the Kool-Aid eventually. And, and your key advice, if you, could, if you could pass one thing on to uh, someone that's just finishing their uni degree um, and looking to work in marketing sales, like to, to, push, to help push them in the, the, the way of B2B, what's that sort of one piece of advice you could pass on or, or one key nugget of uh, a good reason to go and work in B2B? If you, if you really want, like you have to be relentless. You have to be quite willing to take a few knockbacks. B2B is not an easy sell. It's a six, 12 in the markets I'm in now, two years, kind of a, a, a sales cycle. Um, if you're a marketer, you need to work with salespeople, not against them. This is not a, a marketing person is not going to bring in a billion dollar deal in the door. You need a um, collective of collaborators to bring in the deal. So if you like to work in virtual teams or have lots of stakeholders, there's lots of moving parts. That's where B2B is going to excite you. If you like that transactional type of stuff where you like to put out an ad and see the results from, you know, X million hits and, you know, that's more of a consumer play, then go for that instant gratification type of stuff. But if you really want to build something, see how it goes, it's a bigger risk, it may fall over, you know, there's a lot more riding on it. It's, you know, it's a bit more, I think it's to me a bit more challenging and it's a bit more stressful, but it's definitely something that not a lot of people consider as a first point. Um, but it's definitely something that I grew grew to love and, and, and still do. That's good, honest advice. I like that. Hey, I'm going to jump to our um, listener question for this episode. We do one um, every episode. Um, this one's from Tyler, and I'll read it. It's a, it's a lengthy, um, lengthy comment, so I think it's a really good one to read. 
Tyler says, I definitely think a lot of graduates struggle entering an industry in which they studied with many entry-level ads um, requiring several years' experience to be considered a worthy applicant. What suggestions or recommendations do you have for graduates trying to immerse themselves in industries they wish to join? This is a little bit of a Christineism. Um, Christineism, I like that. I'm often caught saying, I'm not here to fly this airplane. I'm here to help you sell it. I am not a pilot. So you need to know the workings of how things get off the ground. You don't need to know how to fly the plane. So anyone that challenges me that I don't have enough experience to do something, and that would be anything from entry level to the job I'm doing now to whatever my next role is, I'd question, you know, and I'd challenge them and say, look, I know I can do this. I believe I can do this. I've got all the necessary things to help this happen. Just because I haven't physically done it doesn't mean that I can't. Um, and I have been lucky to have people sponsor me and support me through that journey. And, you know, people have got to be willing to take a risk on you um, that you do need to sort of to vocalize that just because you've never, you know, built something doesn't mean you can't build it. Right. That's, that's not a thing. So I, I would say that I would challenge everyone with my little plain analogy, um, which I bring up pretty, pretty much in every meeting that I go to <laughs> on a daily basis. There you go. Tyler might steal your Christineism. I like that. Um, hey, what's, what's the biggest in your car on now? What's the, what's the biggest thing you need to learn? What's the, what's the most exciting thing you think you need to learn in your current role? In my current role, I need to learn the inner facets of our own business. There are so many wow. teams, so many people that I need to bring along the journey that I'm now on. Um, and I don't know who they are. I don't even know their names. They don't know who I am. And I need to not only learn where they fit in the organization, but I need to know what makes them tick. And that's an interesting thing. That could be personality-wise, that could be motivational, that could be a whole bunch of different reasons. So I really need to get under the guts of um, learning, you know, the inner facets of all our different teams in all our different markets. And, you know, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. You cannot treat people in one place the same as you would in another even in the same market. So yeah, that's the biggest challenge for me right now is learning all the different nuances that are going to set, set my role apart in each, in each market. I mean, it sounds like uh, stakeholder relationships and stakeholder management has been important to you throughout your career. So I'm, I'm sure you're going to crush it in this role as well. Um, one thing I wanted to end in, end on, should I say, is because I've, I've heard you mention a couple of times mentors and, and, you know, getting support from different people, can you talk to that very quickly? Have they come from people that you've worked directly with? Have they come from people elsewhere in the company or, or at other companies? I have, I would call it two buckets, mentors and sponsors, and I'm really clear on the two being very different. Um, for me, mentors are someone that can help guide you and they know you and they don't have to be within within your business. They can be anywhere within the industry and the same with sponsors. They can be from anywhere. Um, and they're the ones that you go to for the advice um, and the directional stuff and to bang out those ideas and the strategy and the what's my next career move and they'll help you learn and grow. And that's, they're a very big part of your career. Sponsors in saying that on the other side are people that will also take the punt and push you and put your name in front of others and are willing to introduce you to others 
and also open doors for you. So you need a little bit of a balance between those two. Not every mentor is going to be a sponsor and definitely not every sponsor is going to be a mentor, but you need to, every time you go along the way in your career, you pick up these people. They might be a peer at one point. They might be a manager. They might be someone else's um, manager or, or senior person in, um, in the room. Get to know those people, have a coffee, you know, show them the spark in you. And these people will be around for a very long time. I, you know, some people that I still talk to um, on a daily basis or a weekly basis or monthly basis, I met 12, 13 years ago. And they're still speaking volumes for me and helping open doors for me. And likewise, I do the same for others. So definitely get a good army of mentors and sponsors in your, in your kit. Um, and they could be at first a uni lecturer if that's your only exposure for now. It could be someone like that. And have you got any um, any advice on how to best approach someone? I think when you uh, approach someone who you may want to be your mentor or sponsor is probably not go at it and say, look, I want you to be my mentor, but really have a conversation and be quite frank about what you want to get out of that conversation. Um, some mentors you might catch up with you know, once every couple of years and some you might have regular communication with, but you've got to be really frank about why you want to have that conversation. So if they do, you know, allow you to have a coffee or even if you've got 15 minutes of someone's time, just be really succinct around, you know, I'd like to get this out of this interaction. Part of it might be you want to know about them. You might want to know about their company. You might want to know what opportunities exist or maybe what they, they think of you. And as long as you're really transparent and authentic, you know, a lot of people are willing to give you their time. You'd be quite surprised that, it, you know, it happened to them previous to you asking them. So people love to pay it forward. So don't be afraid to ask someone, even if they're super senior, just be really clear about what it is you, you want to know. And has, has anyone approached you? Do you mentor any um, people that you work with or students out there? I wouldn't say I mentor. Um, I am on the board for a girls in tech not-for-profit. Yep. So I do get asked a lot um, to, you know, for advice and how to go about things. I do have some people that come to me in different parts of their career journey. So if they were looking at a new role or they wanted to get into a role like mine, uh, a lot of people do ask me for a coffee and say, you know, how would I go about this either in their existing company or in another company? And the girls in tech community where there's, you know, there's a band of volunteers and a community. So my door's always open um, for people in and outside that network. So I do get a lot of people approaching me, but I wouldn't say I mentor anyone specifically on like a regular basis, but I do sponsor a lot of people. If I think you're really good at what you do and you want to use me as a reference and things like that, I will, I will throw my, uh, my hat in the ring for a lot of people and have done so in the past. And, you know, people take risks on me and I take risks on others. That's, that's what you've got to do, support those. And, and you, you mentioned Girls in Tech. Sounds like a great initiative. Someone that's mentioned to me before and someone I know that you'll know is um, my episode three guest, Carolyn Breeze. Um, you know, Carolyn was at eBay when I was there, worked for Braintree and, you know, has done amazing things um, both in Australia and globally for, for women in tech and girls in tech. Um, what does what does that girls in tech uh, initiative do, and 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 I guess portray uh, for the industry? Well, I know Carolyn very well. We've been at three companies together, um, and in the same team, so I know her very well. She recently uh, was a guest and mentor at one of our girls in tech Australia. So it's a very tight knit community, and women in tech or diversity in tech is a much broader concept. 
and I'm a very big supporter and I speak on panels and go to other people's events as well who are part of a movement, which is basically an inclusive movement. I don't think I've had a real issue with inclusivity in my own career, but I know that there are others that, that have had roadblocks and things like that. Uh, the Girls in Tech Australia that I'm a part of, we're an open network. It's not just for girls. It's not just for women. It's for everybody. And it's all around sort of educating and sharing and building a community of people that have similar interests and similar career path or aspirations and opening up doors to people like ourselves or like individuals like Carolyn that have a good story and, and they can learn from each other um, as well as learn from their peers. So I'm a really big believer in any inclusivity or diver, um, diversity movements um, across all categories. And it could be super technical or it might just be, you know, women who'd like to be in what's deemed as tech, um, but the tech arm of a traditional business. So there's definitely a lot of, lot, lot of bridging work that needs to be done. And, you know, lots of cheese and wine that is had throughout the process as well. I imagine this would be a great um, you know, networking opportunity and, and a great chance to meet people for those that maybe aren't as, as, as brash or as outwardly open to going and, and chatting with someone on their own. This would be a good uh, avenue to do that, right? Yeah, definitely encourage anybody who is nervous to go into these events, whether they be Zoom events now or in-person events. Uh, everybody's super open. That's why they're there. They want to learn. They want to learn off each other. And, you know, I'm... Although I sound like it, I am not naturally an extrovert. I am not a natural networker. My job is to be a professional networker. But at first I was really nervous and I started to go to these things on my own um, and just sort of walk up to people and say, hi, I'm Christine. This is what I do. You know, who are you? What, what can I learn from you? And as soon as you start framing it, like what can I learn from someone else? The conversation is less nerve-wracking because you're really just there to listen and networking is a massive part of your career journey and people can be not on board with it as much as they like but again it's like you said it's not what you know it's who you know and how you get there and building a network of sponsors peers mentors and colleagues is definitely going to um, push your career leaps and bounds. Uh, that's a great share and you know you guys are doing a great job with that initiative so um, you know good with luck good luck with that and I just want to say you know Great, great and good luck with your new role as well. Uh, it's going to be a, um, you know, a pivotal opportunity for Adobe and yourself as we come out of this whole coronavirus crisis. Um, you know, there's going to be ample opportunities for B2B and businesses to kind of grow and, and, and flourish after this. So uh, I wish you nothing but success. Thank you so much for being a guest on Dream Job Ready. Uh, it's been great to talk to you, Christine. Thank you so much and it was a pleasure. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 